You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are taking you back to Ukraine today, privates. That's right. We decided that it's kind of weird to just talk about jerking off while <laughs> there's a war in Ukraine on. And uh, I am Ukrainian and Courtney is a human being that has a heart. So we thought we would help everyone including ourselves, get a little bit more context for the situation and cut through a lot of the noise. And the best way to do that is to talk to a person that's literally on the ground right now. And that's why today we're speaking to journalist turned soldier, Yuri Matarsky. That's right. We are going to talk to Yuri, who was a journalist, is still a journalist, though a more unconventional one who has become a civilian soldier just by the necessity of the recent attacks. He is a member of the Territorial Defense Unit. Yuri has his own podcast called Fighting for Ukraine that he has started since the war began. And it's a really fascinating look at his day-to-day life right now. They're little bite-sized episodes, just three to five minutes, slice of life, you know, his concerns at the time, little minutiae that he's going through, information about the people that he's fighting with. You're going to hear some clips from that podcast sprinkled throughout his interview. But we really wanted to bring you guys an interview with someone who is on the ground experiencing this firsthand. We had a very limited window to talk to Yuri, but I think you're going to get a lot from this conversation. Yeah, it's definitely the only interview that we've ever conducted where the person said, I literally have only 20 to 30 minutes because I have to go and pick up my rifle immediately after this interview. And I hope you don't need video because if I turn on my lights, I have to go somewhere else or I'll give away my position to the enemy and risk getting killed. Yeah, super intense. And you can really just see how his life has just totally changed and turned upside down in a matter of basically three weeks. So I know we were really moved by this interview and I think you guys are going to be too. So let's just jump right in. So can we start at the beginning of this latest conflict? What were your initial indications that something was going on? Like a lot of people left. How did you decide whether you were going to stay or whether you were going to go? You know, uh, for a long time of my life, I was working in Russia. I was uh, eight years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I was a Russian journalist. I worked in Russia because it was the place for, uh, you know, it was a it was like a magnet for all the people from uh, Moscow was a magnet from uh, from all the people all around the post-Soviet countries. So it, it was um, much easier to make a career in Russia, to make a career in a Eastern European country. So I was a, I was a Russian journalist. And uh, as a Russian journalist, I was covering the Maidan, the revolution uh, of uh, 2014. 
And uh, at one moment, uh, I can even remember this moment. I can even, even you know, uh, recall this moment uh, in second by second. In one moment, I understood that this is not just another revolution, which was, uh, uh, I covered a lot of revolution. I've been in a lot of countries uh, with riots, with wars. I've worked for, uh, for long years in the Middle East, in Central Asia, and so on and so on. But in one moment, I understood that uh, this is my country and this is my revolution. And uh, when it's uh, when it became obvious which Russia is invading Ukraine in Crimea, in Donbass, and so on, I made a decision. I returned to to Ukraine. I returned to Kiev. I took uh, only my laptop, my guitar, and my daughter. The three things. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> the necessities. With, with me. Yeah, only necessities. <laughs> laptop, guitar, and my daughter. That's all. How old is your daughter? Uh, she will be seventeen uh, next week. She will be 17 on 15th of March. Happy birthday to her. Oh, I'll tell you when, when it will be her, her birthday. So, um, and you know, with this war of uh, 214, uh, I didn't took part in it. I didn't took part in it. I was forced to, to live the life I was used to. I left my work in Moscow. I left my home in Moscow. You know, I cut almost all the ties with uh, with my circle in Moscow because uh-huh. because these people, you know, they, they were supporting Putin. They were telling, oh, Crimea is ours. So my my whole world is, is you know, was broken. Uh, and now when the war started, uh, not only in Donbass, not only in Crimea, but all over the Ukraine, I told to myself that I can't stay inside. I don't have any place to to move. I don't have any place to to run. I can't escape. Uh, I don't have a choice. Uh, I mean, I have only one choice uh, to protect my homeland and to destroy these invaders or to die doing it. That's all. I'm not, you know, I'm not a hero. I'm not the guy who are you know, heading to the front line and uh, going to, to kill uh, all the Russians with, uh, with his bare hands. But I, I understand that I don't have a choice. I, I need to, to protect my country because I don't have any other Ukraine. I don't have any other homelands. I don't want to leave. I love my country. I love my country very much. This is my homeland. This is the place where my I, I, I'm happy and my daughter happy and all of my friends now. I have a, a lot of new friends. I have a family here. I, I don't want to, them to, to disappear. I want them to be happy and prosperous. So I just wanted to jump in and say that I knew I fucked up wishing an early happy birthday (laughs) because we do not do that in our culture. We don't wish early happy birthdays. It's considered bad luck because we are not sure if we're going to make it till then. (laughs) When I was a kid and I'd asked my mom if I could have and like celebrate my birthday earlier or because, you know, say my birthday was on a Tuesday and I was like, can I have a party on the Sunday before? My mom would be like, no. And I'd be like, come on, please. And she'd be like, no, no sh- like you have to make it till then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit, especially when you're in a war, you're like, maybe just hold off on the birthday wishes a few days. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So um, definitely big faux pas really fucked up there. Uh, America's really poisoned my brain. <laughs> <laughs> But since we did the interview, Yuri's daughter did have her birthday. And you can hear how much tenderness he has for her in this clip. 
about her and her birthday from his podcast, Fighting for Ukraine. And it's just a really poignant reminder of what's at stake in this war. Today is March 15th. This is the most important day in my life. It's been for 17 years now. And all because it was 17 years ago that my daughter was born, my only child. She's already a grown lady, almost an adult. And this is almost her only birthday that I cannot celebrate with her. Before this war, no matter what happened, no matter where my journalistic work took me, I always came home for at least a few hours to be with my daughter on her birthday. I came to her from the war in Syria, from Japan, where it was an accident at the Fukushima nuclear power plant, and from all other places I've been. Just because, as I said before, this is a very important day for me. I remember all my daughter's birthdays. I remember almost all the gifts I gave her, the places we went to, and those people who were with us in previous years. This year, we celebrate the holiday separately. Not because we ourselves wanted it, but because the war separated us. Separated for a while, of course. We will definitely see each other again. But now my daughter is away from me, and this makes me rather sad. She left Kyiv just a few days before the Russians invaded. She went on vacation to Europe, and she even dubbed it for a long time to go or not to go. It was I who persuaded her to go abroad. I understood that it would be more calmly for me if she was somewhere far away, if Putin used all the equipment and all these people who he had been accumulating on our borders for months. When the war began on February 24th, waking me up with the roar of the shells at 5 in the morning, almost the first thing I did was write a message to my daughter asking her not to try to return to Ukraine. It is allowed me calmly, without worrying about the safety of my only child, to go to the army. Now, being many hundreds of miles away from my daughter, I understand very well that there is nothing more valuable, there is nothing more important in life than the opportunity to hug your loved ones, hear their voices, see them, spend even a few minutes with them. Listen, I will tell you one very important thing. If you can hug your child right now, you are a happy person. If at the same time you are at your own home, you are a doubly happy person. If the enemy planes do not fly over your house and shells do not burst around it, if windows are not broken in your house and invaders do not trample your ground, then damn it, just believe me, everything is alright in your life. And do your best to keep it that way. Really, do whatever it takes. Because everything was alright in my life just a few weeks ago. Happy birthday, daughter. Hope to see you very soon. Hey, Soph, as someone who has also been in a relationship forever, do you ever feel like you need to make things more spontaneous in your sex life? No, Courtney, I am perfect in every way. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not what you tell me off the mic. So (laughs) I think we could all use a few more sexy surprises, right? (laughs) Yes, sexy surprises are the best kind of surprises. And that is why we love Like a Kitten. 
Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all your erotic essentials, from vibrators and massage oils to robes and handcuffs and lingerie. It is truly your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. That is right. We love Like a Kitten. And this month, they're helping you choose your own adventure with their BYOB box, aka Build Your Own Box which means you get to choose one item out of each of their six categories, toys, beauty products, lubes and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie. And within each category, you have eight or more products you can choose from. So you can build an experience that's customized to your specific desires, but still a sexy surprise. Yeah, and you can surprise yourself too by throwing in something you would not normally choose and then being like, you know what? (laughs) I fucks with this heavy. And maybe my favorite part is that the box only costs $79. And some of the vibrators alone retail for $79. So the entire box of six gifts is a steal. And right now, Like a Kitten is offering our privates 15% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash private or use code private to get 15% off these incredible boxes. That's likeakitten.com slash private. The link is in this episode description. Can I ask how quickly did everything start? Because when I was talking to my family and friends up until the very day before the invasion, they still thought that it probably wasn't going to happen. How common was that feeling? Um, it was Thursday, uh, and it was five o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping. I have a flat. My 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 home is on the eastern part of uh, of uh, Kiev, uh, so it's close to main airport of uh, Ukrainian capital. So, uh, airport name is Varispil. And so I, I was woken up at five o'clock in the morning because rockets are falling on, on our part of the city. And it was blasts all around and all the skies, you know, was lit with fires. It was uh, our anti-missile systems working. It was really loud and it was, you know, really illuminous all around. So the war started at five o'clock it was undeclared, it was unprovoked, it was it is treacherous and cowardly war, not against Ukrainian army. It is a treacherous and cowardly war against Ukrainian civilians, first of all, because most of the people who are dying under Russian rockets and Russian uh, artillery barrages and the Russian bullets, it's not military guys, it's not service persons, it's uh, ordinary civilians. We're making sieges, you know, a lot of people uh, in Chernihiv, in Sumy, uh, or in suburbs of these cities. First of all, a lot of people in Mariupol, they are under siege. So they are, they are hiding in the basements. They don't have electricity. They don't have food. They don't have mm, water. They don't have, have any medicines at all. So Russians, you know, they make a sieges around the city districts without any military presence. To, to, to starve these people, to make them die without medicines, without waters. It's it's like a genocide. It, I, I, I can't tell. Uh, you know, uh, I was working, as I told you, I was working in the Middle East and I was working in a lot of uh, other wars. Uh, and I remember the 
uh, offensive to uh, Iraqi Mosul while it was in the hands of ISIS. And when uh, um, um, international coalition and local fighters, anti-ISIS fighters, when they started uh, uh, offensive to, to Mosul, ISIS let the people from the Mosul, civilian people, let these people from the suburb, suburbs of the Mosul, they let them go. They let them go away, not trying to, to use them as a, as a shield. But Russians are worse than ISIS. They took these people in, as hostages. They starving them to death. It's barbarous. It's, they are savages. They are like, you know, just like Nazis. So the short answer is no one expected this. Um, I can't tell you because, you know, there are a lot of people who were saying, you know, we have uh, almost 200,000 of Russian troops all around our border. We have uh, a lot of tanks, rockets uh, and all our military staff uh, uh, in the parts of Ukraine, which is uh, under occupation for eight years in Donbass region, in Crimea. Uh, maybe it's not for a war. Maybe it's for some kind of, you know, uh, making a pressure on Ukraine and Ukrainian government. But other people said, no, if Putin took so many people, if he took so many tanks and our equipment to our borders, it means that he's going to start a war. You know, the war didn't start it on the 24th of, of February. The war started uh, in March of uh, 2014. It's just another stage of this war. It's just, you know, it's uh, it's new global stage of, of an old war. So it's more that the conflict was escalated, that was already ongoing, and not that, oh, this is just coming out of nowhere. So it was just a matter of time and a matter of what kind of next stage was going to come from Putin, essentially. I don't like to use the word conflict regarding to what is going on war. In, in Ukraine. Yeah, of course, it's war. It's a huge war with, a, with a colossal losses, you know. Uh, uh, I was born in my native city, Kharkiv. Uh, and now Kharkiv is... Uh, has more damages than uh, during the Second World War. It was bombed. It was hardly bombed in forties by Nazi uh, Nazi Luftwaffe and by Nazi artillery fire. But Nazi, you know, they made less damages in, in the few years of a of a World War when uh, Russian make make damages to to Kharkiv only in, in two weeks. You know, so yeah. it's not just a conflict you know it's it's a, it's a war and it's a huge war it's a war with a with a much of fear and much of deaths uh, all around it um i can tell you that for months we uh, the russians were uh preparing this war for a for a month they were gathering the troops uh, uh they were you know making some kind of uh, bases all around uh, our borders where Sending, they were sending their rockets and their, uh, their ships uh, to occupy Crimea and so on and so on. So they, they were doing it for, for a month, for a month, uh, at least for two months, I think, for more. Hey, Soph, you ever feel like your to-do list is like a million miles long, but the important stuff is still somehow not on there? Yes, I know I have a problem because my to-do list is... In my phone, on my calendar, on post-its, in notebooks, and <laughs> guess what? I am still not taking care of myself. 
which is the number one thing I should be doing. Hashtag relatable content. Yeah, I think that is something that a lot of us struggle with. The top of your to-do list should be you. And that's why Dipsy is here to help. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories. And now, so if you're going to love this, they even have brand new written stories. Yeah, boy, one for old school porn. Your girl is finally winning. (laughs) Soph loves some written erotica. But no matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life anytime, anywhere. You can close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. There are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week. So there's always more to explore. And if you have trouble sleeping or you're having trouble connecting to yourself in general, they have wellness sessions to help you wind down and explore and sleep sessions to help you drift off. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash private. Dipsystories.com slash private. See you in the sheets. Meow. So I want to hear more about your life as a civilian soldier, because you're saying I had no choice, but it's still an incredible act of bravery. And you're surrounded by other people who have made such a brave decision. You know, we have in our, uh, there is um, such a thing uh, uh, as uh, territorial defense units in Ukraine. Territorial defense units, uh, this is units, military units, which which is meant almost uh, completely uh, with volunteers, you know, with the people who volunteered to join the army. It was uh, in action before the war, and now, of course, it's, uh, it's also in action. So uh, we have in our platoon only volunteers. There are only few people who have uh, real war experience. They, they are vets of the Donbass uh, war, or uh, and they have been fighting with Russians uh, when this war in Donbass began in 2014. They are our commanders, and all our people all around me, they don't have any military experience at all. We, we are just we're beginning this experience just now, just, you know, in, in this, uh, uh, in this unit. We have so different people all around me. For example, in one of the checkpoints, uh, close to our positions, there are a few people, one of them, he was a, a storage worker before the war and his partner, his, the, the person with whom he is guiding the streets uh, is a guy who was uh, an advisor of one of the ministers in, in the Ukrainian government. You see, we have in our our platoon, we have, for example, the guy who is one of the main, uh, one of the most famous Ukrainian modern playwright. Oh my goodness. You know, uh, we have two girls in the early 20s who also took rifles and joined, volunteered to join uh, the territorial defense units. Me, uh, before the war, I had my uh, my own radio show, my daily radio show. And me and my co-host, he's sitting next to me. We were working together on radio and we came together and we are joining platoon of the same platoon together. So for me and for people all around me, it's not, you know, an act of bravery. 
Whew, this part really got me. So I cannot imagine going from doing the podcast with you all the time to then fighting beside you. Yeah, I think I would shit my pants immediately. <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Yeah, it, it's impossible to imagine. And I feel like what gives a really good window into what his whole unit is like, which is just filled with volunteers who have never fought before. This is a really great excerpt from his podcast, Fighting for Ukraine, that talks about it. It's 10th of March. The war in Ukraine lasts for 15 days. 14 out of these 15 days, I'm the soldier in the Territorial Defense Unit. I need to say a few words about this unit. Platoons of the Territorial Defense meant by volunteers only. Men and women of various origins, wealth and occupations. There are famous playwriter, young IT genius, millionaire businessman and the DJ girl in our platoon, among others. And we sleep in the same conditions, we eat the same food, we make the same work. First day of war were the times of desperate preparations for all of us. We were searching for the best places for the shooting positions, making fortifications out of sand, ground and garbage, freezing ourselves at the checkpoints, looking for the saboteurs and staring in the darkness at night, guessing how far is the enemy. Our commanders also were uh, civilians only a couple of weeks ago. Truck drivers, engineers, nurses, but all of them have the military experience. Russian invasion in Donbass in 2014 was a huge boost for the Ukrainian army. Thousands of men and women joined the army at the time and gained the real battle experience. After that war came to a strange stage of, of almost no activity, except the artillery and sniper ones, these people left the trenches and went to their homes. But now they are back. For us, they are more like our older brothers and, and sisters than the bosses, even if they are younger than us. Commander of my platoon, for example, is only a five or six years older than my daughter, but he is already a hardened vet. Speaking frankly, we don't even have ranks in our territorial defense units. We greet our comrades and commanders not with a military salute, but with a simple handshakes or even with hugs. We can wear our civilian clothes and boots if we want to. Uniform is not necessary for us. It is allowed to us to have beards, earrings, long hairs and other non-military stuff. Of course, it will end sooner or later. We will be dressed in the same uniform, taught to understand the ranks and correctly respond to the comments of the officers. But now we have some kind of preparatory period, the time to get used to the army and to a new life. But we are the real army already. We have rifles, helmets, dozens of ammo in our pockets. Our main mission for today is to cover the flanks and rear of the professional servicemen, the guys who are methodically and cold-bloodedly crushing the enemy with all the firepower they have. Tanks, machine guns, javelins, stingers, RPGs and lot of other deadly things. They are the real heroes, gods of war, who are fighting the most disgusting 
and dishonorable rebel, Russians bombing the civilian districts, targeting schools and hospitals, arranging sieges and leaving people without food, water and medicines. We are facing the real genocide. The unwritten but well understood by us Russian national ideology denies existence to Ukraine and Ukrainians. In a filthy mind of Putin, Ukrainians are misguided Russians who dared to imagine themselves as a separate people. And he gave us a choice to accept his idiotic Nazi views and surrender or to fight for our freedom and for our future. And as you can see, we made our choice. You know, I, I told to, to one of your colleagues from United States, your country is built on, you know, on some kind of, uh, of principles like uh, you should do anything to protect your freedom. You should do anything to protect your independence. This is uh, and our principles too. Now we need to to protect our country. We need to protect our independence. We need to protect our loved ones. So it's not it's it's usual thing for us. It's just it like it was usual things for your ancestors, for your grandfathers and grandmothers. It's the same to us. You're reminding us, I think, actually, what our values really are. Um, seeing this play out. And so I think you're like such a huge source of inspiration. But day to day, as a civilian soldier, what kind of stuff are you doing? Like, is there access to food right now? And I heard you say that there's like an 80-something guy that gives you guys cheap coffee. We have, you know, anything we need for our daily life. We have our cook. Uh, he is also a volunteer. He was uh, a chief cook of one of, uh, uh, of the restaurants in Kiev, and he joined us voluntarily. He came to, to our platoon and said, I want to, to, to be useful for, uh, for you. I want to be useful for my homeland. I would like to join you. Uh, I was a chief cook, so I can make you breakfast, lunches, and so on and so on. I gave him, you know, five Michelin stars from the beginning. <laughs> because, uh, um, from, you know, from, from the... Uh, from the uh, ordinary spaghetti and sausages, he can make uh, five changes, five different dishes and and uh, uh, everything, you know. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people who are coming to us with help. We have, in uh, I think in every Ukrainian region, we have few depots uh, for, you know, for volunteer help. Uh, it could be any help you can imagine, starting from tea and uh, ending with... Uh, Uh, batteries for some kind of uh, uh, special equipment, including footwear, clothing, and so on and so on. We don't have, you know, any troubles with getting food, with getting coffee, with getting tea. But a lot of people are really want to to help us, to help us to 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 make part in a in a defense of um, of a, of a country, of a homeland. So a lot of people, half of a Kievan population is are now evacuated, you know. The city is, uh, um, is, uh, is emptying, you know, before our eyes. People leaving because it, it is, you know, rocket fire mm -hmm. 10 times a day. It is um, artillery fire targeting civilian uh, districts a few times a day. So people leaving. 
but a lot of people still in here and much most of these people we decided to stay whereas a lot of reasons for this decision someone don't have any place to go and our people were trying to support us so uh, uh, close to our position there are a few a few civilians who trying to support us and uh, it was scary story about young guy who was uh, running to our positions hiding something under his jacket he was running hiding something and you know holding it under his jacket and uh, our comrades almost almost opened fire on him because you know there was um, there was a thought that he is trying to 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 like a bomb detonate. or something yeah, yeah det- detonate something or he's or maybe he's hiding weapon and he is going to to put it and to to open it open a fire but uh, <laughs> we discovered that he's you know he was making a lot of soup he <laughs> and oh. he was you know in a, in a in a huge glass jar he was bringing it to us and because it's really cold still in in kiev in in ukraine he was you know he's warming it with his own body and he was running to to get it to us as quick as possible <laughs> risking his life you know oh, risking his goodness. life because he he uh, he was at aims of uh, uh, of assault rifles of my comrades hey penis havers are you looking to dazzle your partner with your newly shined golden rod Ta-da! <laughs> well look no further than original boner gel to bling that thing Hell yes. Original Boner Gel is the most advanced luxury skincare product for men, specifically targeting your skincare needs below the belt. OBG's naturally inspired breakthrough formula uses collagen, organic vitamin E oil, apple stem cells, and Butia Superba to remove wrinkles and make your cock look like a brand new actress in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not all. The delicious smell of OBG is an immediate aphrodisiac for your partner because it's made from the finest oud essential oil. Oud. (laughs) And OBG can also function as a high-quality oil-based lube. This is maybe my favorite feature. And that means you can rub one out as you're giving your cock a facelift. And it also means... You're always ready to go. I love a good cock lift. (laughs) And I think, Courtney, you love a good cock lift as well because Wade's been hitting that OBG. Tell us all about it. His cock is looking (laughs) beautiful. That's all I can say. It looks great. Original Boner Gel is offering our listeners 20% off your order when you go to OriginalBonerGel.com and enter code PRIVATE at checkout. That's OriginalBonerGel.com and use code PRIVATE to get 20% off your new favorite skincare. OriginalBonerGel.com, code PRIVATE. What would you say is the biggest uh, misunderstanding that maybe people could have about this war? I think uh, the most misunderstanding uh, from uh, the, the largest misunderstanding, I think it started even from uh, eight years ago. Uh, a lot of people all around the world, politicians, ordinary people, journalists, they think that it is possible to talk to, to Russian authorities. No, it's not possible. You know, the main thing, oh, uh, and I still listen. There are a lot of uh, a lot of foreign journalists coming in, uh, in Kiev and I'm talking to them because I'm in charge uh, of uh, 
of guiding uh, foreign journalists in our district of Kiev. Uh, every day I I talk to about dozen of journalists from all, all over the world. And uh, a lot of them ask us, maybe we ha- you have some kind of, uh, you should have some kind of tokens with Russians, maybe, maybe there is some some points of, uh, of understanding. I said, no, there is no any kind of, there is no any points of, of you know, of discussion because they want us to cease to exist. They denies us the right to exist, you know, uh, what Putin wants. And uh, in his mind, in his mind, there is no such a thing like Ukraine and Ukrainian people. For him, we are, you know, just some kind of misguided Russian people who imagined themselves as a separate nation. And so he gave us a choice to obey him and to declare ourselves Russians uh, or to die. There is no no choice, you know, just like Jewish people don't have any point in, uh, in talks with Hitler because they don't want to exist at all. This is the same. We don't ask to exist. We deny us, you know, the right to, for existence. So uh, I don't, I don't think any talks could could bring us peace. Especially when they ruin the ceasefires all the time and don't abide them. There's no yeah. negotiating yeah. with terrorists. You just can't do no, it. No, no, no. So you spent a lot of time in Russia, and I'm sure just through your life, you you know a bunch of other Russian people. Have you gotten any messages where it's clear that? they're getting a lot of misinformation or are you hearing from anyone that understands actually what's going on you know we are living we are living in 21st century if you want to to get uh, the true information you can do it via internet uh and if we have this uh, you know if if we knew if we know that we can do it but we still believes that Ukraine is full of Nazi and what we are doing, what we are doing is here, it's some kind of denazification. I don't want to talk to them because, you know, they, are, we, they want to believe in such a silly things. Uh, yeah, I have a, a few messages from my former colleagues. Uh, one of them was also uh, from a colleague whose photo on the Facebook is now the book Z, the, the letter Z. Oh, and no. he uh, and he promised me to to destroy all the Ukraine and uh, to kill me with his hands. You know, uh, this is the guy with whom I worked for five or six years. Oh my God, that's brainwashed. That's truly brainwashed. Yeah, and and they and they like it. You know, and they like it. They, as, as I told you, they just they just like zombies. Putin said to them, Ukraine has no right to exist and they said oh ukraine has no right if i if he'll he'll tell them that uh, we need to to give uh, uh, belgorod and Voronezh region to ukraine because i want so we, we also will say oh we need to give it to ukrainians we, we don't have way out minds we don't have way out you know some kind of principle or rules we have way fewer way fewer he's the only the only person who who can uh, uh, who can make any decisions? Who make uh, uh, make any plans? All our people, uh, we, m- most of the people in in Russia, most most uh, most of the people in Russia, were just you know they just obeying his his orders. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, not a lot. There are there are a few people who are disagree, protesting. 
but not you you don't you don't see i i can't see any protest you know if you are writing on facebook that i'm against the war it's not a protest uh, to protest uh, to protest the war is to make some kind of uh, acts of sabotage to to burn the uh, policemen to to shoot at uh, at government persons uh, this is this is very real protest to write something on the internet it's not a protest you know just like some kind of stuff. Oh, I made it. I made it. I'm a hero. Yeah. So we we know you have to get to your post soon, but what kind of message do you have for people in the States or how can people help? I know there is a really, really simple way to, to help Ukraine and to help Ukrainians and to save lives of uh, kids, women, and uh, civilians of Ukraine. Uh, and uh, everyone in the United States or in a, any other Western country can do it right now. You should take the streets. You should uh, demand from your governments, from your statesmen and stateswomen, from all these people in a in a nice suits and in a big uh, expensive cars to give to Ukraine uh, anti-missile systems and to give to Ukraine new planes to protect our civilians. Because, you know, the, uh, the bloodiest and the damnest thing in this war, uh, this is the targeting of the civilians by Russians. They are uh, uh, destroying hospitals, they are destroying schools, they are destroying kindergartens, and so on. And we don't have enough uh, equipment to protect it. And uh, all your governments, you can do it. You have all this stuff. And it's time for this stuff, for this equipment to to to, to start working, you know? So anyone can do a hero even without taking arms in their hands. And anyone should be the hero. So demand from your governments, uh, demand from your statesmen, if they don't want to establish no-fly zone. And I can remember, and uh, yeah, I, I remember, uh, I can understand it. I can understand why, why, why uh, Western governments don't want to establish no-fly zone. Okay, uh, give us some equipment and we will establish no-fly zone by ourselves. But, you know, you should understand this, this is not a war against Ukraine, uh, Ukraine only. This is a war against humanity. This is a war against civilization. You know, just like, like, like a war with Hitler, because uh, people of, of the West, they also thought that, okay, we will give Czechoslovakia to Hitler and it will be enough for him. Okay, we will give Poland to Hitler. Maybe it will be enough for, for him. It's the same. It will never be enough for, for Hitler or for Putin. Uh, and uh, this is uh, our common war. We need to, to, to be together in this war. We need to be allies in this war and to, to have a common front against against new, new Nazi country, which is called Russia. Thank you so much, Yuri. Спасибо большое. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to you. See you. Slava Ukraini. Героям слава. Смерть врагам. <laughs> that was incredible and I'm so grateful that Yudi gave us his time and if you were like what were they saying at the end it's like kind of a little call and response which is essentially glory to Ukraine. And then he replied with glory to the heroes. And I replied with death to the enemies. And that made I him laugh. I loved his little giggle. <laughs> yeah, I loved his little giggle after that. <laughs> <laughs> and 
then he literally picked up his gun and went to go fight. So, wow. That was a wild interview with Yuri. I hope God and the universe and whatever protects him out there. Me too. Yeah. So, privates, if you have not heard the first episode in our Ukraine series that we never intended to make, (laughs) make sure you go back and check out our love letter to Ukraine, which is an episode where Sophia shares some of her favorite memories from growing up there and just some really cool kind of cultural context for the conflict, for the war. And definitely, definitely check out Yudi's podcast, Fighting for Ukraine. Definitely. We will have a link in the episode description. And make sure you're following along to the podcast on our social medias. As always, we are at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and Facebook and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. So definitely check our social media for that. If you want to check out my social media, I'm at the Sophia, S-O-F-I-Y-A, on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K, on everything. Our newsletter is also popping. And in our last edition, we had a bunch of different resources for how you can help in Ukraine and different wars around the world. So make sure you're subscribed. We always like to send out additional info related to each episode. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You should buy her music from her website. It is amyraasch.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. Michael, you were the best gentleman. I'll put you in a little handkerchief and tie it up and carry you in my pocket. I'll bring you soup if you want. my best. (laughs) And a shout out to our social media queen, Holly Brown. She is at Holly Brown Comedy on Instagram. She's a hilarious stand-up. And now it's time for... The Review of the Week. Y'all, we are low on new reviews, and that's why we need one from you. So these are your marching orders. If you could head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash private right now, just get on your little phone, go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. You can rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on and even a platform that you don't listen to us on. And if you're on Spotify right now, it's so so freaking easy. You just go up to the upper left-hand corner and there's a little star. You click on that. You give us those five stars and just a little hot tip. All we accept is five stars in our ratings and reviews. If you have any other comments for us, you can email us. You can DM us. Do not give the algorithm that information. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, the negativity is for your pillow. Okay, sorry about it. (laughs) We literally cannot handle it. You do not want to push me. I am already a very brittle, emotionally brittle woman. So again, send all your sweetness to ratethispodcast.com slash private. And coming up, we'll have more from Ukraine. And coming up, we will also have more by the author of this incredible book, The Sex Lives of African Women, which is 
amazing and you should definitely get. So can't wait. I'm excited. That was such a good interview. It really was. All right. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Bye.